1: Hi, this is Chris Hoff, host of the Radical Therapist podcast, and as a licensed marriage and family therapist, it is in my professional opinion that you are at extreme risk if you were to listen to, I doubt it with Dolomar, so please don't listen, and that's why I don't listen.
2: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is. I doubt it with Thalamore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 647 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dallimore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, as always, Brittany Page, everybody.
3: We need to talk about a serious issue.
2: Isn't every issue that we talk about... A serious one. Absolutely not. <laughs> right, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that to sound more intellectual. Yeah, yeah. Isn't every issue that we speak <laughs> on? Oh, into, uh, important. Is, I fucking is lost that,
3: it. <laughs> is that what? Is that the intellectual speak? Yeah. Um, we so we have a PO box, and the reason that we got the PO box. Because is because of death threats yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So um, we we thought it would be safer, right, to have a P.O. box associated with the website. Naturally. Right. So we did that, and we haven't really had any issues. We've had it for like three years, I think, yeah. the P.O. box.
2: No anthrax, no... Uh- Smallpox being sent through the mail. It's been pretty good.
3: Yeah, until this recent bout of terrorism that we received. Um,
2: And I I think that's a little hyperbolic, let's say.
3: You can call it whatever you want. Uh, We don't have any evidence either way. So here's what happened.
2: (laughs) So that's the standard. Here's what happened. That's our standard.
3: Here's what happened. We get to the mailbox because we had like a Secret Santa thing going on in with- the Dollamore Listener group. That's right. Yeah. And so we've been checking the P.O. box to receive our Secret Santa gifts. And I was particularly interested in a gift for me. <laughs>
2: of course. Who's not? And it's not like you're like waiting with bated breath about what I'm gonna get.
3: Yeah. I'm about you. Although you got a fantastic gift from your Secret Santa. That was
2: beautiful. Well, we didn't talk about it on the air because we're still waiting for you to get yours. So we'll not and talk then, about it. And then, we'll then we talk. were going to talk okay, about anyway, it. Okay, yeah.
3: anyway. So I, I opened the P.O. box and there's a package for me from Amazon. It says Brittany E. Page. Yeah, it's Very of,
2: official. It's one of the light blue and white like like foam, not foam, the, 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 bubble, bubble, pop, wrap. the bubble wrap mm-hmm. packages. Yeah, the soft packages.
3: Yeah, it came from Amazon, Yeah, which makes this all the more confusing. Well,
2: it seems... Legit, you gotta you gotta package.
3: Yeah, so we open it up and it is a portable USB. It came in a little white box that says your item is inside. Yes. And how many how big is this thing? It's not very big.
2: The this here?
3: No, the actual drive, the USB drive.
2: 32 gigabytes. So it's uh I looked online. Because we, we were determining, like, Ugh, is this, you know, it, it probably isn't terrorism if it's an expensive, expensive thumb drive.
3: Also, it's probably not terrorism because I don't think you can buy terrorism on Amazon and have it sent to someone. <laughs> At least that's my hope. That's my hope.
2: Well, that's not where my brain was. My mm-hmm. brain wasn't that this is a real Amazon packet. My brain was that if this is terrorism, uh uh-huh. as you're prone to call it, <laughs> Uh if if, if somebody's up to no good, let's say that.
3: Uh-huh. Then that
2: it that it, <laughs> it would be that it would be um just a clone of an Amazon bag. Okay. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. See, I didn't even go there. So you're you're planting new ideas for me to worry about. <laughs> so anyway, this we started thinking through it, right? You had recently talked about not having room on your computer for whatever, the computer files. Or, we had some
2: data. We had some issues, some technical issues. Or yeah. I
3: think it was when we experienced the the risk of the fire and you were wanting something to take the files.
2: Yeah. And, because if something, this burns down, we're fucked. Yes. Like, I'm going to have to recreate intros and outros mm-hmm. and all of the drops, the hundreds of drops that we've used over the years.
3: Yeah. So someone thought that this 32-gigabyte zip drive would would Solve help you, problems. maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So we started brainstorming what it could be, yeah, right? But it wasn't
2: addressed to me. It was addressed to you.
3: Right. So there's so many confusing elements to yeah. this, and really, we didn't know. So we still don't know. We don't know where this thing came from.
2: Well, we got an email of someone claiming they sent it.
3: Right, but that was really vague, and I don't know about that. <laughs> and the wording was...
2: And you know. reached out to your Secret Santa person via the website, you can do this anonymously. Right, and, and they, they said, didn't send it. That's just not for me.
3: So we're we're left scratching our heads here.
2: And it's still sealed. It's probably a fucking bugged microphone. They're listening to everything you uh- say. <laughs> But will you knock it off. It's sealed in this little package, hermetically sealed a uh, plastic envelope that is impenetrable except with a, a sharp knife or scissors. <laughs> and we haven't we haven't gotten into it yet.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think we will, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Because I mean
2: it's just too fucking risky if it's, it's really something it's, bullshit. It's
3: computer security 101, right?
2: Oh, 101. Huh? You're teaching a course now.
3: Yeah. It's the <laughs> it's basic computer security, Look, guys. All
2: of my years in the computer biz. It, this you, is a it's a no-brainer, <laughs> everybody.
3: You, you do not put strange USB drives yeah, into right. your computer. No, listen. You don't do
4: that
2: some of the, the the way that russia has inter- and this is not a joke has interfered with us and gotten into areas of our government's um networks is by dropping thumb drives around on a military base in the middle east mm-hmm. people going oh awesome a free thumb drive <laughs> they plug it in like a fucking idiot and then all of a sudden, the whole network is riddled with with malware yeah. and Trojans that allow the Russians in. That, that's a real thing that happened.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think most of the time when you start a job where you're going to be using computers for the company, yeah. they also review this with you. Like, if you find a USB, do not plug it into your computer. Right. You know, yeah,
2: it's, it's kind of the no, don't be a dipshit rule.
3: It's just yeah, don't don't do that. So we're yeah. not Yeah, see so yeah, just come on. We're not be gonna smart. do that and I don't know what to do with it. So if someone wants to offer a more in depth explanation, I would love to hear it. Yes. That would be great.
2: Fantastic. The other thing that is fantastic, Brittany Page. Yeah. Is listener communication.
3: It really is. It's also, the best.
2: Before we get to the listener communication, let's let's put a put a call out. Yeah. What does everybody think about the terrorism via the mail mm-hmm. that Brittany is now experiencing? Yeah. <laughs> even if even if it's just emotional <laughs> terrorism, Brittany is being terrorized. Six five seven four six four 464 Seventy six zero nine. Of course you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit it at Dalimore.com. All right. Let's get to Eric in Texas.
5: Hey guys, it's Aaron from the Texas Panhandle. I had something non-political to ask Brittany. Uh, my wife and I were messing around with the Enneagram last night, and I was just wondering what her professional opinion is as, uh, given her background and her, her education and work experience. If those are junk, if they're useful for personal use or, or clinical use at all, I was just curious. Thanks guys.
2: I'm glad that he kept talking because I thought it was just going to end right there that my wife and I were messing around last night. <laughs> like, this is not the podcast for that, brother.
3: Well, <laughs> depends on where you were going with the question, right? Maybe maybe we could have answered it.
2: We're messing around.
3: OK, so I had to look up. What an Enneagram.
2: I never heard of it, so is. I'm glad the question is not to me.
3: I've also never heard of it. so. <laughs> but I did look it up. So, Eric, one thing I will say is, yes, I have a master's in psychology, but it's, it's clinical psychology. There are actual personality psychologists out there, and their specialty is in personality. So I just want to qualify what I'm about to say by saying, that's not me. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Not your expertise. Yeah.
3: Now, I did take... Um, a class specifically on the psychology of personality and the Enneagram never came up.
2: So that, that was a graduate level class.
3: Yeah. So that says something right there that it never came up, Yeah.
5: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> but I will say really the best personality test. If you're looking for something that is actually scientifically valid and something that scientists use, you're looking for the big five, the big five personality test Big
2: five, like number five.
3: Right. All right. And this is a theory of personality around five broad clusters of traits. So... The first one, wee, 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 anyway, wee. it's not boring at all. The first one, extraversion. We also have agreeableness, <laughs> conscientiousness, neuroticism, and openness to experience. So when you take this test,
2: where's fear of terrorism through the mail?
3: Well, I think that would be neuroticism. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe also conscientiousness, also, right. also openness to experience. Is Many things apply. <laughs> agreeableness. Listen, it can it can really <laughs> fall into anyone, whichever way we look at it. So. What is nice about the Big Five and what's different about it than these other, like... Enneagram, which Harry Potter character are you, Myers-Briggs, right? You're,
2: my, you're Really, you're putting Myers-Briggs and which Harry Potter character well, are I'm you? Well, I'm just saying,
3: saying <laughs> that, that there's there's similarities among those tests versus yeah. the Big Five, which is the Big Five puts you on a spectrum of these traits, right? So it's not as though you are labeled an extrovert or an introvert. You get a rating on a scale. Is the
2: Myers-Briggs the like INTG, JTF? Q all the letters yes and then split squ- like split into quadrants and shit yeah yeah okay okay mm-hmm.
3: often used with hiring yeah decisions yeah, employment yeah. type stuff yeah so so that's the nice thing about about the Big Five that is different than those other tests right with like the Enneagram and I just did a cursory search right doesn't seem super scientifically valid. Again, that's based on a cursory fun.
2: I mean, listen, if you find out that you're a, a huggle, huggle puff or a wiggle squirt or whatever the, yeah. whatever the fuck that they are, mm-hmm. it's Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff, yeah. Hufflepuff, yeah. But- The second one I know was fake.
3: Okay. <laughs> anyway, the point that I'm trying to get at is the big five says what you are on these, these traits on a spectrum, right? Yeah. And these other tests give you a type right? They say that you're a type it's of like person. Definitive. Yeah. There's just like these very firm boundaries that are putting people into boxes of like what type of person they are yeah, rather yeah. than on a spectrum, where do you fall on this particular trait, right? And the big five compares your responses to the way that other people have responded to the test. So if you want to take the big five, you can actually take it because 538 put I think it's a short, shortened version of the personality test on their website. Oh, yeah, nice. So you can search for that on 538 because personality quizzes are fun. They really are. And listen, even if it's not scientifically valid, if you took the Enneagram quiz and you found what type you were and it really fit with what you believe yourself to be and you thought it was fun, then who cares, right? But sometimes people take a personality quiz and they get a result that bums them out and and that can happen, yeah right, I, and like beat yourself up
2: there there's a there's a um What's the Ira Glass of oh, this American Life episode? What the fuck is wrong with me? The, uh, this American Life episode where they talk about how these particular the, the the Myers-Briggs actually did damage to people in their life relative to hiring and like other aspects. I mean, it's a long episode, but yeah, don't take you should take these with a grain of all of them with some semblance of a grain of salt because you're who you are. That's not going to change anything. It shouldn't. You shouldn't focus your life in a certain trajectory based on whatever this, this says.
3: Yeah, unless it fits with what you view yourself as, what your actual passions are, right? But don't take a test and then go, oh, this is the type I am. I need to, like, base my yeah, whole life what around I, that's that. Yeah, that's what I mean. But also, don't ignore all of them because the big five, and that was the question, right, is scientifically valid. That is the one that scientists use when they need to measure personality and do comparisons and, and analyses. Yeah. So, if that's what you're looking for, Eric, that is my recommendation. I will say that I thought I had to listen to the voicemail twice because the first time I thought you said genogram, and I was so excited to talk about <laughs> you know a genograms. Bit about those,
2: yeah. Not a personality. N-
3: not a personality test. Kind
2: of a how fucked up is your family tree test.
3: Well... Yes, but they if you
2: have a fucked up family, I guess.
3: Yeah, it's it for really any type of family. highlights
2: addiction and problems and right, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, it's like a graphic representation of a family tree that you can identify relationships among people in there and you can also like like you said if someone struggled with addiction or alcoholism, you can put that on the genogram, and you can start to see how patterns have developed in your family system. Oh, yeah, sure. They're very interesting. They're very helpful in some ways, but sometimes those can be damaging too, right? Where people look at this, and they're like...
2: Oh, the the die has been cast. Yeah, holy shit. How am I
3: supposed to escape this? So there's actually another type of genogram that's called the socially constructed genogram, which I think... (laughs) Please stop be, 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 be. this is fascinating and everyone loves it so uh,
2: <laughs> and everyone loves it
3: so the socially constructed <laughs> geogram Helps it allows you to represent the people that are most supportive in your life, right? The people that have helped to get you to where you are. And it it's not Oh,
2: you mean like the, the your 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 family of choice, like your friend your friend network yeah. that really has become your family unit.
3: Yeah, it isn't yeah. just yeah. about the the family that you were born into, right? It allows you to take a perspective check about people that are in your life. And it's it's not just family that is important in, in who you are and what has created you right sure. it's it's other people too so Absolutely. that's a useful exercise and i think they're good to do together
2: the the joining the personality tests together or with other people we're talking
3: about it. genograms right oh, now genograms so how dare you you're right. not even following what i'm saying
2: i'm trying to move this show along okay I got a lot of i'm like spinning I, plates on 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 spindles here
3: i feel attacked thank you eric <laughs> I appreciate the question. We
2: absolutely appreciate the conversation, the, the topic. Of course you do. Everybody has a good time. So listen, uh, over the last couple episodes, we've talked about the Mormon church and how they squirreled away. They hoarded $100 billion worth of tithing from church members. When it is told to church members that the vast majority of their tithes go immediately to help the the lesser in their communities and, and go to actual charity. And then we find out through a whistleblower that a tenth of a trillion dollars is now sitting somewhere not being taxed, of course, because it's a church, not and outside of the realm and the regulations of the IRS. We've got a couple calls on that. Here we go.
5: Hey, Brittany and Jesse, it's Nathan in Denver. Uh, just a quick one. The uh, Mormon dude that was talking about tithing and whether or not billionaires should contribute more or whatever. Uh, you guys didn't mention it, but is that guy for real using uh, Ebenezer Scrooge as a defense for poor people? making the the making the sacrifice, even if they are poor? Because if so, I mean, it doesn't take an English literature major or someone of that caliber to miss the point that widely of A Christmas Carol. Anyway, just wanted to chime in on that.
2: Yeah, listen, I, I think it won't be a surprise <laughs> to anybody out there to learn that uh, oftentimes when uh, religious leaders make comparisons and arguments and justifications for what their positions are on things, they don't make a lot of sense. And he didn't make a lot of sense at all anyway because of the fact that he's trying to argue that you you should be tithing the same amount as a billionaire based on the percentage of your income even if you're destitute that was the title of his talk and it is it's abominable that someone would believe that
3: well i finally figured out what we were talking about here about 15 seconds ago all right and now i remember and yeah i agree with the caller now that i have figured out what we were talking about (laughs) I couldn't remember what the reference was. Well,
2: your, your wheels were gears were still turning about the genogram. No, I was thinking.
3: There. Did did I read something that like mentioned a Christmas Carol? Oh, you forgot
2: that we played the guy, right? At and now the I General remember. Conference. Yeah, now yeah. I remember the guy. Yeah,
3: <laughs> making the terrible.
2: So thank yeah. you for the call, Nathan. We appreciate it very much. Moving
5: on, Paul. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. It's Paul. Um, I um, I was just calling about that episode six. 45, about the uh, Mormons and whatnot. Um, I, I I grew up um, LDS and everything, being African-American and everything, grew up with it, and uh, just in out Lake City, but what you said um, is pretty much true about how the church really emphasizes people um, just giving their money and whatnot, and I've since stopped really participating in going to the church, but yeah, it's been really shady. I asked my dad if you know, I told him about the the whole thing with the uh, money stuff, with the tithing, and he just said, "Well, maybe it's just people wanting to take uh, advantage of the church, or just uh, um, I don't know." He was just he was just kind of dismissive about it. But I told him that if if this is really true, then this church needs to be more transparent. And it needs to like lose its tax exempt status because this isn't right. But anyways, I uh, just wanted to get my two cents in. Hope this uh, all makes sense and everything. First time. Caller and everything. So, anyway, thanks so much for all you guys do. And, uh, Brittany is the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye.
2: Paul is a unicorn, I- as far as I'm concerned. And this is apart from the tithing issue. But being an African American and a Mormon, that fucking scrambles my brain. I-, I don't, I don't understand it. I would love to know, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with Paul because. They're obviously the church is overwhelmingly white, especially in the United States. And they've they finally branched out decades ago and went to South America. Um, But there are very troubling scriptures in the Book of Mormon about the the purity and being white and delightsome, talking about the color of skin. And it is at its root uh, a very troublingly racist set of doctrines. That they've since come around on. I mean, it was 1978 that finally, people of color could could have the have the priesthood bestowed upon them. The Just men. Pretty late. Pretty
3: late. The, the men. Almost yeah. Almost the eighties.
2: Yeah, yeah, It's almost the fucking eighties. Uh, the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that that is that that is perplexing, and I always am a little taken aback when I find out that someone is uh, black and and Mormon.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but as far as the tithing thing is concerned, Paul i uh I wouldn't be surprised at anyone who's still active in the church who's going to try to make an excuse for or explain away or take for uh at its face value whatever the statement is of the church. They're going to make all kinds of excuses because if they if they say the wrong thing publicly, then they are going to be subject to the wrath of the IRS. And uh, uh nobody wants that. Because they could very well lose their tax exempt status. I think it would be uh an out a far outside chance, but still um it would be i I would take with a, a a tiny grain of salt what church officials or church members say in defense of the church relative to this. So
3: yeah, well, and we want to thank Paul for calling in. Very exciting to have a first-time caller yes. call us. We always appreciate that. And also, Paul said he doesn't go to the church as much anymore. Yeah, um so. there were There was kind of a hint of withdrawing from participation, but it, it doesn't sound like uh, an all-out disconnection from the church. Yeah. So uh, we, I think we'd definitely be interested to hear about your kind of journey with the faith, Paul. So if you would be interested in... Calling back, giving us some more information. We'd love to talk about it. That's what we love to talk about.
2: 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. All right. Let's get on with the show.
0: Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore.
3: First, we want to thank Carissa. Carissa! Because Carissa upped her pledge.
2: Long time listener, Carissa.
3: Well, She also has the honor of having created the Britney's the Best Part drop.
2: Love the show, Britney's the Best Part. Yeah, Carissa, by the way, that wasn't like an intention. Like, oh, that was like the first drop drop. That we used from a list like, oh, that's going to fucking, we're using that.
3: Yes. And it was, it was, I think it was genuine. And then it kind of turned into a thing that people say. But in that moment, I think she was unhappy.
2: Yeah. Well, I think what happened was, yeah, she might've been bitching about me. That, that's something that happens. (laughs) But I think it was, whatever it was, it was letting, letting uh, the audience know that she believes you're the best part. And then someone else called in and it became a thing. So I had to dig back. And find that voicemail and and take it as a as a drop. So, yeah. Thank you, Carissa. You've you've helped shape and mold the show into what it is today.
3: Absolutely. And we also want to take some time to thank our new Patreon supporters: Andrew, Andrew, Ramson, Ramson, Jim, 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 Aaron, Aaron, and Bo. Bo. Thank you so much.
2: Beautiful.
3: To those beautiful new Patreon supporters, you know, don't forget to take advantage of the monthly Zoom video hangouts. That is something that we do. Yes. And we want to make sure that if you are in that tier that you take advantage of that. Also, we have some donations that we received on PayPal that I want to shout All out here. All right. We got one from Robin. Robin. And we got another one from Gary. Gary. Thank you so much to Robin Fantastic. and Gary. Fantastic. Yes.
2: And that you can do through the website
3: absolutely you just
2: go to dollamore.com and it's on the at the top there like support or something
3: yeah so we also want to give a shout out here to kelly from new england we got something in the p.o box that was not terrorism from kelly and well
2: i mean (laughs) it's about lee atwater so or lee
3: lee atwater yeah. yeah
2: so you know You know, he not the architect of the Southern strategy, but certainly the one that inadvertently spilled the beans about its absolute existence. Yes. Southern strategy, if you don't know, is how the Republican Party engineered control of the South, which used to be a Democratic Party uh, stronghold anyway. Yeah. It's awesome. We, We haven't seen it yet. We got to watch it on the computer since it's the only DVD in the house.
3: Yeah, it's called Boogeyman the Lee Atwater
2: Story. It's not the
3: only DVD because we we got DVDs. uh,
2: No, no, it's the only DVD player is what I mean. Oh. My computer.
3: Got it. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We also want to give a shout out to Robin in D.C. Thank you for the beautiful Christmas card. We also received that. That was a non-terrorism item that came to the P.O. box. (laughs) Thank you so much for sending that as well. I also got your Earth, Wind & Fire email. Don't know if we can discuss it on the show, but just wanted to let you know.
2: Very, very cool. Yes, very Very cool. small world. Yes,
3: very nice. <laughs> very nice.
2: <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, if you want other ways to, to support the show, if you shop on Amazon and you want to continue to enrich Jeff Bezos, and that's your choice and that's what you do, an awesome way is to go to dollamore.com slash amazon that will redirect you to amazon.com make your purchase we get a little commission you don't pay any more and as we always say if you're gonna spend your money there anyway why not help your favorite show filled with news news and ridiculous comment all right moving on facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So of course, this show has been changed relatively on the fly based on the events of the killing by the U.S. military of Qasem Soleimani, the leader of the Quds forces in Iran Arguably, people have been saying the number two guy in the country, but, uh, you know, he's he's number two or number three, certainly. Uh, we, we're going to talk about this, but before we go into this and kind of play what is going on here, and you know what, let's just play the news package here, the, the brief news package, giving you the overview, and then we'll talk about it.
6: We begin with breaking news from Iraq, reports of a missile strike at the Baghdad International Airport, those reports claiming there are civilian casualties. It comes amid that showdown with Iran, President Trump blaming Iran for two days of violent protests at the U.S. Embassy there in Baghdad. Hundreds of additional U.S. troops rushed to the region, including these from the 82nd Airborne, boarding planes at Fort Bragg. And tonight, Defense Secretary Mark Esper warning that Iran may be planning new attacks on U.S. interests. ABC's chief global affairs correspondent, Martha Raddatz, leading us off.
4: Tonight, reports of civilian casualties at the Baghdad International Airport after a reported missile strike hit a cargo area, which shut the airport down. And tonight, we are learning a top Iranian commander was killed in a missile strike. This follows the stunning attack on the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, one of the most fortified in the world. (laughs) For two straight days, Iranian-backed militias and Iraqi supporters hurling rocks, setting embassy rooftops and guard posts on fire and ramming bulletproof windows while chanting down, down with America. Nearly 900 additional U.S. forces were rushed to the region, with thousands more on alert if they are needed. With the Pentagon warning today that Iran may be planning more attacks on U.S. interests in the region, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs insisted that when it comes to protecting the embassy, there is sufficient combat power there, he said, air and ground, that anyone who attempts to overrun it will run into a buzzsaw.
6: Martha Raditz joining us, joining us right now from Washington. And Martha, we're still getting more details about that missile strike on the airport, but what is the ultimate goal of those who attack the embassy?
4: Well, Whit, they say they want all U.S. troops out of Iraq and Syria, but so far their actions have only led to an increase in U.S. forces. Wit.
6: All right, Martha Raditz, our thanks to you.
2: Shocking. Yeah, so so here's here's the thing. Obviously the Internet went fucking insane. Because this does put our countries on the brink of war. At the brink of war. On the precipice of, of full-scale military conflict. But as we say a lot on this show, two things can be right at the same time. They can be true at the same time. It can be true that Soleimani was a fucking deplorable Horrible uh, human being, responsible for hundreds of American deaths, responsible for thousands of deaths globally, and it also can be true that he needed to die. Those aren't the two things. That's all one thing that can be true. The other thing simultaneously can be true, that uh, it wasn't a good time, that he shouldn't have been killed in the way that he was killed. Because of the uncertainty of what is going to take place. Because of the escalatory nature of that particular action. Because of the risk. Because of the risk. Also because of the fact that we can't fucking trust Donald Trump to have done the right thing here. We don't know. Because of his character and his past behavior and his past decisions. We cannot be sure that this wasn't. Strictly out of self-preservation for himself.
3: Well, and that's the thing. I I can't even begin to follow Donald Trump's tweets anymore because he tweets I don't know over a hundred times a day. It's insane. It, it's it's a lot. So I don't Twitter,
2: know. Twitter. Put this in context. Twitter used to 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 text me. Mm-hmm. when he would send out a tweet because I had to open up a separate account and then I had alerts. It was too much for them. We're like, yeah, it's too much texting. We're not even going to text you anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't even get alerts at all when yeah. he tweets.
3: So I don't know if he has been making this claim, but his credibility is ruined, right? And that happened a Absolutely. long time ago for many people. But
2: It happened on day one with the fucking inauguration.
3: Even before- Biggest crowds <laughs> ever! Even before that, right? For a lot of people, even before that, he had no credibility. But I mean, as president. Yes, but he did this to himself, right? The media didn't do this to him. No one else did this to him. The Democrats didn't do it. Nancy Pelosi didn't do it. Donald Trump ruined his own credibility. We can't trust what he says. Yeah. And when they come out and they say, we took this action... Because there was an imminent threat, based on intelligence that we had received, there was an imminent threat, and we need to we needed to take this action in order to save American lives. Yeah, sure. The expectation is that we just believe that, right?
2: Under and, normal circumstances, with a president of the United States, y- you do.
3: Right, but because Donald Trump has no credibility
2: zero credibility
3: that's not the case yeah. here yeah. we can't assume that's true because Donald Trump's main thing is self-preservation right getting reelected
2: you, you, why would we believe the claim about Soleimani when when we we couldn't we can't believe the claim because we know it to be untrue about withholding aid Uh, from ukraine military aid from ukraine Mm -hmm. when they're also imperiled in military conflict with their neighbor it it just you can't you you, it it, he he has made it impossible to believe anything he says and that is tragic especially when related to sending thousands of troops overseas to possibly die
3: Mm -hmm. uh Well, in the end of that clip was really important there, what what Martha Raddatz said at the very end, right? That the claim was that, I can't remember how she phrased it, but that there is going to be less risk to American lives, right? American soldiers. And all this has resulted in is more American soldiers being sent.
2: That's right. Yeah. So Well, we're going to play his response, but before we get there, we've talked about General Soleimani in the past here on the program. On the program. On the program, man, it's more official <laughs> when I when I say program.
3: Yeah, I guess.
2: Isn't it? You know, you have said that program. for quite some time. This guy says program. No, oh, Trump, baby, not me. Oh. I say program. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs>
3: but, I also say program.
2: I, I'm like a, I'm like a newscaster from the '50s. Mm. So we've talked about it many times on the show, not many times, but uh, on occasion we've talked about Soleimani, mm-hmm. Donald Trump when he was on the campaign trail, I believe this was September of 2015, when he was a candidate Trump, he went on Hugh Hewitt's show, if you remember. We have a special drop specifically for, if you remember, this particular conversation. Yes. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. So he goes on with Hugh Hewitt. Yes. <laughs> and right away, Hugh Hewitt says, are you familiar with... Uh, General Soleimani in Iran, the head of the Quds Force, and that is what transpired. Listen to this brief interaction <laughs> of candidate Trump having no fucking idea about anything about international relations, especially about the conflict, maybe the chief conflict at the time between us and another country, was us in Iran. Are you familiar with General Soleimani?
5: Yes. <laughs> I, I Go ahead. Give me a little. Go ahead. Tell me. Well,
2: he runs the Kurds forces.
5: Yes. Okay. Right. Do, do you expect. And I think his the behavior... Kurds, by the way, have been horribly mistreated by us. I no, no the not Kurds...
2: the Kurds. The Kurds the, the forces, the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Kurds yes. forces, the
7: bad yeah. guys. Right. Do you expect his behavior to change as well, a result? Kurds.
5: Kurds. No. Kuds. Oh, I, I'm Kuds. sorry. I thought you said yeah. Kurds. Because yeah. I think the Kurds have been very poorly treated by us here. <laughs> go ahead. Agreed. Uh, so Suleimani so oh runs God. the Quds forces. Do you expect
2: okay. his behavior is going to change as a result of this deal with Iran?
5: I think that Iran right now is in the driver's seat to do whatever they want to do. I th- so then he rambles
2: on. I'm going to end it.
3: But uh, How much how much better would that have been if Hugh Hewitt would have said, instead of giving him an out, saying, it sounds like you uh, don't really know a lot about this. You yeah. want me to go on to the next question? Well, he's.
2: He, I think he knew right away. And rather than say, um, go, "Go ahead, yeah, no, yeah, shoot me, shoot me some information," go ahead, go ahead. He just say, "Well, no, you tell me about Ju- General Soleimani." Right. Go ahead, yeah. you tell me.
3: Yes. What is your opinion
2: of General Soleimani with the the head of the Kurds force, and then Donald Trump? Here's what I think happened, and then we're gonna move on. You heard the beep on the phone. I think he was scrambling, like putting his like, give me because people are listening clearly. Yeah. His staffers. And then then, after he's like, "Oh, you know, the Kurds are terribly treated, blah 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 blah," And then he doesn't even have transition time, people are giving him notes like, "Oh, Soleimani, the Iran, da, da da, they're giving him cues to talk about. And then he rambles on about Iran being in the driver's seat, nothing specifically about Soleimani, nothing specifically about the Kurds force. He, he is he was out of his element. he's still out of his element. It's just as candidate Trump. We're not in danger mm-hmm. as President, we are in grave danger because of his inability to onboard new information, yeah, so getting back to the topic at hand, this is donald trump's a piece of his his speech he didn't he didn't tweet or he didn't respond that night except for. A tweet of like a a bitmap image, a BMP image of an American flag, mm-hmm. like fucking. It was all blurry. Yeah, and- it was like made in in Microsoft Paint or something. Yeah, Jesus, he
3: just did a screenshot of like word art. Yeah,
2: it's fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a an emoji blown up ten times. <laughs> Uh, Anyway,
3: so they have an amazing graphics team that they can't even utilize. He's the
2: president of the United States. (laughs) He's just up there with greasy cheeseburger fingers in his bedroom. Oh, God. Sitting on the toilet, grunting one out while he fucking fires off a tweet of the American flag. No text. No text. Just American flag.
3: It's just completely unnecessary.
2: This is his response the next day after the aforementioned flag tweet. Soleimani made. And by the way, I'm going to stop it. Soleimani? Yeah, he doesn't know how to say his name. (laughs) Not only that, this isn't from the White House, y'all. This is from Mar-a-Lago. If you watched it on video, it looks relatively official because they've got the the deep navy curtains and flags around him. It looks like it could be somewhere important. No, it's fucking Mar-a-Lago because this guy's on vacation like a goon. Soleimani made the death of innocent people
7: his sick passion contributing to terrorist plots as far away as New Delhi and London. Today, we remember and honor the victims of Soleimani's many atrocities, and we take comfort in knowing that his reign of terror is over. Soleimani has been perpetrating acts of terror to destabilize the Middle East for the last 20 years. What the United States did yesterday should have been done long ago. A lot of lives would have been saved. Just recently, Soleimani led the brutal repression of protesters in Iran, where more than a thousand innocent civilians were tortured and killed by their own government. We took action last night to stop a war. We did not
5: take action to start a war.
2: We took action last night to stop a war not to start a war. What war did we stop? Why was he such a high-value target to take the action that was taken yesterday, the day after Trump is talking, and not the day before, and not a week before, and not a month before, not a year before. He's been in office for three years. And nothing has been done. No one has talked about Soleimani. That's what drives me insane about this, this thing, especially being a per, someone who's on Twitter a lot, is all of these this Trump trash. This guy. No Trump, baby! This guy is now the world's expert on fucking Iranian politics and Kesim uh, Soleimani. Knows all about the guy. Didn't talk about him a week ago. Wasn't important a week ago. But now, oh my God, critical. Needed to be done killing this guy in the manner that we killed him. Which, by the way, this is how it went down. They're on the tarmac. His convoy pulls up, his SUV to take him to downtown Baghdad through that narrow corridor there from the airport. Gets off the plane, onto the SUV. It's not like he has to, you know, check a bag. And, they, and then he. They are a Reaper drone targets him. And all that's left of the SUV, if you've seen the footage, is like the fucking engine block. That's it. It is completely destroyed. So it was a, a targeted operation. Highly coordinated operation that took out a man who is effectively like taking out the, the, the Secretary of Defense. But has a higher status in the country. He has like a mythic living legend status in Iranian culture. So Donald Trump takes to the stage and says what he says that we stopped a war yesterday. That's what we did. We stopped a war. Who knew we were that close to being on the brink of war with Iran? Who every country, even our Pentagon, believed was living up to the spirit and the letter of the the J, JPC the JCPOA. And
3: and, and that is.
2: Oh, that, that's the, the, the joint comprehensive, that's the, the nuclear arms deal that we made with France and Germany and the UK and uh, all the, Ch- China, Russia, all those countries that uh, Donald Trump yanked us out of, the mm-hmm. that John Kerry and Barack Obama had signed uh, through two years of negotiating.
3: Mm-hmm. You remember how you always tell me that I can't just use acronyms yes. and things?
2: Yes, you're right.
3: Mm, thank you.
2: You're right about this. (laughs) So so listen. It is this... Again, we're getting back to the two things can be correct at the same time. We had one of our Patreon calls today.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And actually, this conversation took place the night before. That calling this an assassination, while correct, makes me a little oogie. It makes me a little uncomfortable. And why is that? Well, because I think it... The word assassination carries with it a negative connotation. You you think, uh, like Kennedy was assassinated. That's a bad thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And while technically correct, we did assassinate this guy. Uh, it just I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: But something that that Pompeo said, I, I I've re-listened to his to his statement with John Berman, not his statement, but his. His Part of his segment with John Berman from CNN, and something he said bothers me. It doesn't lead me to want to use the word assassination, but it leads me to, to not feel so uncomfortable about its use. When he says that we took him off the battlefield, hmm. what battlefield is he talking about? I didn't know that we had troops on the ground at, in a, in a sustained battlefield formation that we have it like that to be taking out whether they're bad guys or not world leaders. This isn't some terrorist insurgent, terrorist funder and organizer. Yes, I believe that t- absolutely to be true. But this isn't this is this isn't that another nation's uh, a high-level political leader, military leader, there are, there are ways to go about doing this that don't involve unilateral decision-making from one fucking man, Donald Trump. Yeah. Here's Pompeo with Berman this morning.
8: You put out a statement a short time ago that says the decision to eliminate General Soleimani was in response to imminent threats to American lives. What was the nature of those imminent threats?
1: John, I can't talk too much about the nature of the threats, but the American people should know that President Trump's decision to remove Qasem Soleimani from the battlefield saved American lives. There's no doubt about that. Uh, He was actively plotting in the region to take actions, a big action, as he described it, that would have put dozens, if not hundreds, of American lives at risk. Uh, We know it was imminent. This was an intelligence-based assessment uh, that drove our decision-making process. Uh, The American people also know the history of Qasem Soleimani, uh, hundreds of American lives on his hands too. Mm-hmm. He was involved in the Beirut bombings. Uh, he'd he'd orchestrated an attack right here in Washington D.C. It ultimately mm-hmm. failed. Uh, this is a man who's put an American lives at risk for an awfully long time. And last night was the time that we needed to strike to make sure that this imminent attack that he was working actively uh, was disrupted.
8: A specific target overseas.
1: I'm not going to say anything more about the nature of the attack, but know that this was not just in Iraq. It was throughout the region. Uh, was using these proxy forces that he has manipulated for so long to bring so much destruction uh, to the Shias and Sunnis, mm-hmm. the Muslims throughout the region. This is a man who inflicted enormous harm not only on American lives, but created uh, terribly destructive activities, supporting okay. Lebanese Hezbollah, Hamas, the Palestinian Islamic mm-hmm. Jihad, uh, all of the bad actors in the Middle right. East. Qasem Soleimani was at the center of all of it.
8: Was there any imminent threat to the U.S. homeland?
1: These were threats that were located in the region.
8: And when I ask about the timing, the reason I am asking, um, is because General Soleimani, as you well note, has been an enormous threat to the United States and U.S. interests for decades. I was in Iraq between 2003 and 2008 when he was responsible for the death of probably 600 or more U.S. servicemen. So what is different or what was different yesterday than over the last 15 years?
1: Well, well, John, you're you're right about the history of uh, General Soleimani, for sure. Uh, what's different today uh, is that Iran has now been engaged for months and uh, managed to dozens and dozens of attacks throughout the region. President Trump's shown enormous restraint to date. While well, we've made clear to the Iranians that we weren't going to tolerate the killing of Americans on December 27th, an American was killed in Iraq, uh, and then we watched uh, the intelligence flow in. They talked about Soleimani's travels in the region and the work that he was doing to put Americans further at risk, and it was the time to take this action so that we could disrupt this plot, deter further aggression from Qasem Soleimani and the Iranian regime, uh, as well as to attempt to de-escalate the situation. Uh, The risk of doing nothing was enormous. The intelligence Mm -hmm. community made that assessment, and President Trump acted decisively last night.
8: Was this attack in the coming days, do you expect? Uh, You know, we're, we're
1: prepared. We've thought about this a great deal. But remember, uh, they've been attacking for months. Right, we, but I was like, was the imminent somehow, attack? Was the I, imminent I, I, somehow, attack? Somehow, somehow, somehow I hear folks, so, oh, I'm sorry, was the imminent attack? Yeah. I, I don't want to talk about the details of the, the plotting that was taking place.
2: So here, here's here's where I'm with this. Under a normal circumstance, let's say when President Obama was in office, if they say, listen, we can't really go into sources and methods, we can't really get into the details of what what our intelligence was, we can't really talk about the specific nature of the impending attack that we had on the radar because of the fact that it will give up some of our sources and methods of gathering that intelligence. And a lot of times, that's that's spot on and that's true. That they have to guarantee those particular sources that are embedded, whether it be within the, Iran- the Iranian government or or on the ground in Iraq and maybe in the power structure there they have to they have to protect those those physical human assets live on the ground boots on the ground assets now under normal circumstances you could yeah that makes sense but you can't do it even with pompeo because he lies for trump like he's a fucking wind-up doll scripted answers passionless answers unconvincing fucking answers Time after time after time. Some of that, what he said, is true. But you can't blend in, yeah, you know, he supported Hamas and Hezbollah. Yeah, that's true. But why yesterday? Why the other day? Why was he taken out then? Why not the day before? Mm -hmm. He doesn't just travel between Iran and Iraq.
3: Well, and I think some of that could be answered by uh, Benghazi.
2: That's what they're saying. They're saying that.
3: No, I'm saying that... You gave
2: me the funny look, like...
3: Well, Donald Trump started to see the attacks on the embassy. Yes. And started to see a replay of Benghazi and thought that if there was not a response to the attacks on the embassy, that he would look weak. That the United States would look weak. Sure, sure. And so, because... So on December 28th, he was presented with options, okay, options on on what, which path to take here, and he rejected the Soleimani option, and he authorized airstrikes on an Iranian-backed Shia militia group instead, mm-hmm. and then a few days later- That's operating
2: within Iraq right now.
3: And a few days later, he was watching the TV. This is according to the New York Times reporting. Very upset. They used the word fuming, okay, as reports showed an Iranian-backed attack on the American embassy in Baghdad. Yeah. So the, the New York Times reporting on this is actually very troubling because they're essentially saying, according to this reporting, that they presented him with a menu of options. Okay. And they added taking out Suleimani as the most extreme option, thinking that he wouldn't take that option. Yeah. Which seems weird. I don't understand that logic
2: they, they, at all. They've dealt with this guy for three years now now. They know that you don't put it on the table as an option if it's not really an option.
3: Yeah. And I don't I don't know why you would do that anyway, even with a normal person. Yeah. Right. But whatever. Uh, So according to the reporting from The New York Times, um, quote, the Iranians viewed the strikes as out of proportion to their attack on the Iraqi base and Iraqis. Largely members of Iranian-backed militias staged violent protests outside of the American embassy in Baghdad. Mr. Trump, whose aides said, had on his mind the specter of the 2012 attacks on the American compound in Benghazi, Libya. He became increasingly angry as he watched television images of pro-Iranian demonstrators storming the embassy. Aides said he worried that no response would look weak after repeated threats by the United States. When Mr. Trump.
2: That's good. That works. <laughs>
3: Mr. Trump. <laughs> when Mr. Trump chose the option of killing General Suleimani, top military officials flabbergasted were immediately alarmed about the prospect of Iranian retaliatory strikes on American troops in the region. It is unclear if the people in the room pushed back on the president's decision, which you can imagine that they didn't because. Yeah,
2: unlikely. That, it, depending on what level was in the room. Yeah. 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 So listen, ultimately, here's the deal. This did not in any way, shape, or form de-escalate a motherfucking thing. If anything, this has brought us to where we are, which is war. This is a declaration of war. Imagine, and I'm not putting this guy on the same level as a as a joint chief or the the secretary of defense, but imagine if a country were to uh, specifically, surgically target our our official in a foreign country, it, it would be war. It absolutely would be. I never thought we'd be in a position to hope that the cooler heads to prevail would be the Iranians and not us. Because here's where we are as I see it. Right now, we are banking that they know, the Iranians know, that Donald Trump is a loose fucking cannon, an insane person. And it will it will plunge them into an unwinnable situation, geopolitically and militarily. Because here's the fucking problem with Trump and Trump people they use grade school logic to come to their decisions about war, about sending thousands and thousands of young women and young men to their impending possible death. That it's a, you know what, fuck you, we're bigger than you, we're tougher than you, you're the one that should back down, I'm not gonna back down. The world is a complicated place, folks. That is not how we should be operating relative to international relations.
3: Right. Also, the calculation of what is it going to look like? Do we look weak?
2: Right. Yeah. Look, we'll never look weak. Yeah. We spend $735 billion a year on our military that is larger than the next five combined. Yeah. It's a
3: childish concern, right?
2: It's fucking, well, I'm not going to look like a bitch. Who cares if you look like a bitch? If you are the toughest guy in the room, you don't care if you look like a bitch. You're the toughest guy in the fucking room.
3: Can I also add, though, that according to this reporting, there was skepticism. Now, unfortunately, officials voiced that skepticism privately, but there was skepticism about the strength of this new intelligence. And according to one official that's quoted in The New York Times article, the new intelligence indicated, quote, a normal Monday in the Middle East. And that General Suleimani's travels amounted to, quote, business as usual. Right. So among those people in the room, they're hearing this new intelligence, right? And there's skepticism. People are thinking, okay, this isn't really a big deal. I'm not hearing something that's super concerning. Obviously not imminent, yeah. right? And they don't say that out loud, right? This is a problem.
2: Yeah, but it, it, I, listen, I'm... Um... I'll give people more of a pass because of the fact that uh, that is the way it is structured. That's, it, it, there's a there's a hierarchy of control, command and control, uh, especially related to the chain of command. And if it's not your role to speak, it's not, you know, the president speaks. It, and this all is depending on what level of people in the room. If there's a general in the room, he or she better be fucking speaking up. But if you're just like a captain or a lieutenant colonel or something, I, you know, you just don't got the juice to be chesting up with the president of the United States of America, the commander in chief of the armed forces. I, I'm just I'm 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 slow to criticize not knowing all the facts.
3: Yeah, I guess I understand respect for tradition and authority and, and it's all the that. Law. It's the law. It just seems odd when you have made it to that level that you're yeah. in that room yeah. that there wouldn't be. Some equality. Look, you know, th- I understand that there's a hierarchy. I understand that. This but- is
2: why it's so dangerous to have a megalomaniac, egomaniac, uh, insecure douche as a president because... You want a president who is ready for some pushback, who wants the things that he disagrees with to be presented so he can see all the sides. Absolutely. (laughs) And we don't have that, though. We have a guy who's insecure and fires fucking people by Twitter because he's afraid to say it to their face. Yeah. He's not the kind of guy who's wired for dissenting opinion. Yeah. Because he looks at it as disrespectful or whatever the fuck. Yeah. So speak, get, let's get back to this real quick. I, I want to play a couple of, uh, sorry, everybody, that you're going to have to listen to this, but Pete Hegseth, <laughs> the fucking idiot haircut from uh, the B team. The, he's the, the weekend Fox and Friends guy.
3: He's moving on up over there because he was on The Five, which yeah. is one of the most popular shows on this is Fox the, News the, Channel. The
2: clip I'm going to play is him mm-hmm. on The Five and him on with Stuart Varney. So. Oh, God. This is the guy, by the way, who says he doesn't wash his hands, because if they don't look dirty, (laughs) there's no germs. Yeah. That's literally something he said on the air.
3: He claims he was joking, but... We
2: watched the clip. He wasn't joking.
3: He didn't seem like he was joking.
2: So this is the guy who actually does have a military background. Mm -hmm. He did serve. Yeah. He's also the guy that acts like uh, disabled veterans like myself, who claim the benefits that that, that they are owed after having served, that they are freeloaders, effectively. He didn't use that word, but he he was definitely going down that route, that he he could be disabled, 100% disabled if he wanted to, but he chooses not to because he's prideful. He's got dignity, I think is the word he used. I just want to give you a background on who this fucking dickface is before we play His absolute obsequiousness related to anything Trump does, especially with the military.
0: Importantly, and what the president will stay focused on is america's interests mm-hmm. that's why one of my favorite things about this was trump's american flag tweet right afterwards mm-hmm. i mean it's a reminder that this is an action taken in advance mm-hmm. of american interests we can't rely on iraqi guards standing outside our embassy no. guess what we've been training them for 16 years and they still let the iranians through to trash our embassy mm-hmm. we can't rely on allies who've never been full partners uh, as, as much as we'd like them to be in the war against radical islamic mm-hmm. terrorism if we're going to defend ourselves it's going to be us as it pertains to iraq and the future i mean we killed an iranian general in in Iraq, trying to destabilize the country we've spent that much time, blood and treasure investing in. I say, I mean, listen, if the Iraqi parliament votes to say we don't want the Americans there anymore, as far as I'm concerned, fine. 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 Mm -hmm. And I say, hand them all guns and let them shoot each other. And, And I know that sounds sort of like barbaric and backwards, but I think there are a lot of people out there in America that say, if you're not satisfied yet... If you won't follow through and defend yourself yet, then at at what point do we decide it's not in our interest? We can do some from further away and work with allies that are still there, like the Kurds. But pouring money and pouring weapons and pouring investment into places where people don't want it or they're not capable of keeping it is something this president ran against. So this action should not pull us closer to war, but instead, it's weakness invites challenge. This is strength, which I think sends the the right signals we want to run.
3: So he said there that the U.S. can work with allies that are still there like the Kurds. Is that true?
2: Uh, No, we've abandoned the fucking Kurds. Mm -hmm. Just like when Donald Trump was talking to Hugh Hewitt. Oh, I think we treated him very unfairly. Obama has treated the Kurds so unfairly. We never abandoned them like you did, Donald Trump. Where now they're being targeted in massacres by Turkey. I mean, Donald Trump, to say that he doesn't have a foreign policy just doesn't get us there. It is, it is an, the antithesis of a policy. It is fucking chaos related to Turkey, related to Russia, related to Ukraine, related to Iran and Iraq. It is fucking chaos. People are dying because of Donald Trump's fecklessness. Listen to Pete, Seth, one more time. Oh, God. That was the, that, that right there was the most articulate.
3: Absolutely, actually.
2: Listen, yeah. listen to him on Stuart Varney. Oh, my God. And emails and texts from
0: friends in the service all, all across the world that said, that's the last thing we should be saying. Oh, no, Iran's going to do something. No, Iran should be worried today that maybe we'll do something again maybe your second general is next if you continue to try to kill americans we are the top dog you respond to us not the other way around bring the fire Hexess. no matter well what, you know i'm the, fired up you're right because you're right. the president brought the fire yes as a leader you want your as a follower you want your leader to reluctantly be strong and that's exactly what the president did here kudos to him.
6: hold on pete stay there please uh i'm just going to check a couple of stuff
4: no trump
2: baby Wait, where did Pete Hegseth end and where did the Donald Trump guy wh- where did he begin? Yeah. It's the same fucking guy.
3: Mhm.
2: We're the top dog. Yeah. We're the top dog. What are you fucking talking about, man? Yeah. That's not how you run international rela- foreign relations with enemy combatant type of countries. Like it's all a game. Yeah, it, it, this isn't the playground. This is real-world, nuanced things go on.
3: Mm-hmm. People die. It, it, the people that he supposedly cares about dies, Americans. You
2: want to hear something even worse? I didn't even plan on playing it, but it's on the board. So this is Lou Dobbs. Oh, listen God. Why fucking, are you
3: torturing us with listen this? Listen
2: to Lou Dobbs. This is worshipful talk about Donald Trump. All of it patently false, easily verifiably false.
9: Yeah. The, the American people will demand it. Uh, this is a, a president who's already, uh, I, I, in my opinion, he's already historic. But in my opinion, he's also already one of the greatest presidents. And with another uh, four years uh, in which to get more done, he's already set a standard, Congressman, for presidents that most uh, mortals won't be able to uh, meet. He outworks them. He outthinks. Uh, he is uh, remarkably resourceful. He's bright. His judgment is uh, I, I, second to none. Uh, it is just to me. Uh, I, and also, I have to say, uh, I'm watching people in the House of Representatives. Uh, are they're coming together behind this president? They're ag- there's actual bona fide, quantitative, substantive unity among Republicans, and we're not just hearing about strong letters to follow from you guys. We're seeing you all stand up, Uh, and, and I have to say that's impressive. We need to see it in the Senate as well, but it's impressive.
2: Talk about a guy who needs to clear his fucking throat at all times of the day. First of all, every president is historic dipshit, but the greatest president he set a standard. He outworks them. He outthinks them. Donald Trump doesn't get down into the West Wing until like eleven thirty in the in the morning. What do you mean outworks them? His judgment is good. This is fawning affection for someone who absolutely not just doesn't deserve it. It's what's the opposite of that? Unfucking believable. And they have the temerity to act like Barack Obama was such a clear and present danger to the country, well, <laughs> someone who is thoughtful about maybe too thoughtful sometimes relative to military action,
3: yeah it it's just it's remarkable because you think. How low do we have to get? And he still has these defenders. Did you did you read the reports that well, we know that he didn't tell Congress about his
2: plans with Iran, right? Oh no, no. I found out today. Lindsey Graham. He briefed Lindsey Graham and no one else. Yeah. He didn't brief well the armed services committees.
3: No. He, or the
2: group of five. He, the gang of five eight. Gang he, of eight. He
3: told people at Mar-a-Lago.
2: Oh, did he? I didn't hear that.
3: To expect big Iran oh, action soon, right. right? So he's partying it up with with people at Mar-a-Lago, and I've seen, you know, Olivia Nuzzi. Like she she has some inside deets and yeah, all yeah. the stuff that goes on here. I think she writes for New York Times Magazine. I'm I, not sure. I don't
2: know. She's awesome, though. She's she's like in a. She, she's regularly texting with Giuliani. She's, yeah. she's she's in there with people. Yes. Yeah.
3: And she has talked about uh, or retweeted articles about reporters who cover Mar-a-Lago and how shocking it is that if you have access to Mar-a-Lago, you have access to the president. Yeah. Like you're rubbing elbows with him. He's
2: just another. I, I read a headline that he's just another dude on the buffet line.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that is not the way it should be. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> let me tell you something. Especially
3: when he's just, oh, guess what, guys? Stuff is about to go down in Iran.
2: Yeah, I can't tell you, but just trust me, it's going to be big. Yeah. That, that is alarming.
3: Come on. Also, though, people were circulating an Eric Trump tweet about something. He was like bragging about something's getting ready to well, happen.
2: I I know about that. Uh, I was going to talk about that when we talk about the Joe Biden okay. uh, thing that went viral.
3: Okay. All right.
2: We might as well talk about it now. It's out there. Okay. So Joe Joe Biden. So so Hunter Biden. Joking. So uh, Eric Trump uh-huh. retweeted a tweet of Joe Pacific or whatever that Jack. fucking. Jack Prasibek, I don't know how to say his last name. Mm-hmm. I apparently, I didn't know his first name. Um, the PizzaGate, the, the the PizzaGate fucking conspiracy theorist.
3: Yeah, the twenty two year old who's always getting arrested. Yeah,
2: who's now running in league with Donald Trump and Eric Trump.
3: Isn't he always getting arrested for fraud and stuff? Uh, no,
2: no, that's that Jacob Wool guy.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. Yeah, this is the it's PizzaGate t- it's guy. It's tough to keep them all straight. That is exactly right. Yeah.
2: So he retweeted something about the Marines that were sent. To kind of tamp down the embassy chaos, mm-hmm. and Eric Trump tweeted something like, uh, "Getting ready to open a big can of whoop ass." Right, and people thought that it was him knowing about the 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 killing of Soleimani. Right, it wasn't. It wasn't.
3: It was not. You and just have to check the timestamp to know yeah, that. you
2: got to be very careful about that. Look, they're terrible. But let's not give them ammunition that all liberals are just liars and we're we're not being honest about things. If he did, if it wasn't about what it wasn't about, right? Don't m- try to make it that.
3: And so here's what we all need to do, and we're going to talk about a Joe Biden story that reinforces this as well, and then I'll probably repeat some version no, 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 no. of what I'm we'll about just, to say now. We'll just
2: go there now. We We, can, I, we were going to talk about North. I was going to kind of draw a line here that Donald Trump's judgment isn't good, that look where we are with North Korea right now. And then I was gonna play a clip of Donald Trump talking about how how great a relationship he has with Kim Jong-un, when clearly he does not because they are still testing nuclear weapons. They're still launching missiles into the fucking air over our allies' airspace. Anyway, I'm getting worked up. And then I was gonna play a clip about his 15,413 lies up to this point. Further uh, cementing the fact that you cannot fucking trust Donald Trump. Now let's talk about Joe Biden.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so I just want to say that related to the Eric Trump thing, if something makes you very excited, right, it activates all of your political senses and you're very excited and you're ready to dunk on somebody, slow it down, especially in those moments, right? We should always slow it down. Okay? I see people all the time, and I'm probably going to piss somebody off because I know listeners probably do this because many people do this, right? You post an article on your Facebook and you say, does anyone know if this is true?
2: Or I'm not sure if this is true, but if it is, question mark, question mark.
3: Stop doing yeah. that. Stop doing that. You're contributing to the problem when you do that. Yeah. Here's what you need to do instead. Message some people that you trust, right? And ask them if they've heard about it. Sure. Before that, though, just do a Google search yourself, right? But if you're really not sure and you're having a a problem figuring out whether or not something is true on your own, you're having trouble doing that, and I'm not being dismissive, I know it can be difficult, then reach out to someone that you trust privately and ask them and talk it over with them. If you post something that's not accurate, okay, even if you're asking whether or not it's true... People will read a headline, and they will assume it is true, and they will take that information in, and they will have it accommodate their beliefs. That's how humans operate, yeah, and we need sure. to stop doing that Yeah, because we're in a serious situation here. And all of us have a responsibility. If you have a Facebook page, if you have a Twitter page, if you're on social media in some capacity, you have the ability to influence
2: people. Dozens, if not hundreds of people at a time.
3: And you need to take that seriously. We all do. So when you see an Eric Trump tweet and you think, wow, he's a dumbass. I can't wait to retweet this and prove to everybody how dumb he is. Make sure you're accurate. Yeah, yeah. Because you're contributing to the spread of misinformation, if not. And it's very also, serious.
2: You're taking points away from our side. If we're going to put this in, in, in those terms of whose side is winning and losing. Sure. Because when journalists, by the way, who retweeted this fucking Eric Trump thing and yeah. said, this is not good. If he knew about the Soleimani thing before yep. it happened, yep. they, they fucking should know better.
3: Yes. Slow it down. Yeah. Don't even hit like, don't hit that heart, right? You have the Twitter thing open. You see something that you really want to go after. Close your app, open the Google app, and take five minutes to read about it and figure it out before yeah. you retweet. Well what
2: they did is there were screenshots, and then he deleted the tweet, which is also picked up the fear the fervor right. about it. Right. But what they did is they took a screenshot of his tweet, but not the bottom part of the tweet. Mm-hmm. Not the not the Jack Pacific part. Yeah. I'm probably saying his name wrong, but fuck that guy.
3: Yeah. So a similar thing happened with Joe Biden, though, where this video went viral on some, Twitter.
2: Some, um, it was on left, left Twitter. It was a a left wing guy. Yeah. Who wants to paint Joe Biden as a as a racist?
3: Yes. And this clip was it couldn't have been longer than ten seconds, right? This initial clip that was being circulated. Uh, maybe, maybe thirteen, like 13 seconds.
2: seconds. Yeah.
3: And like you're saying, it sounds Here, Let's see. Terrible. <gasps>
2: 18 seconds.
3: Okay. It sounds terrible when you hear it. In fact, should we listen to it first yeah. or should we qualify it first? Well, I, wanna, I don't know what to do now. No,
2: well, we're going to, we're gonna. I want to give a little context to what they, they painted this as him talking about, we need to protect our culture, that th- this country is built on the, these ideals. That's what they wanted you to believe he was talking about.
3: What Can we pause? Yeah. What I want you to do is pull, play the full thing first. I do not want the first thing that people hear to be the false thing. So we're going to play these clips of Joe Biden and it's unfortunate that I just talked about how we shouldn't be sharing misinformation <laughs> uh, and we're about to do that. So I think we're not I, I yeah, think but it's, we're not.
2: we're 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 identifying this is fucking bad because it's completely out of context. We're going to play it because you we can't hide it from the public.
3: Right. I just hope that we're able to say, listen. I know that humans tend to place greater emphasis on the first thing that they hear, right? Please know that what you're about to hear first. No, no, I tell you what,
2: you're right. You're right. That that is what research says. So we're going to let's do that. Let's abide by that. So let me give the full context here real quick. So Joe Biden was asked at, at, at a at a at a little Iowa town hall meeting, a little little gathering. Maybe there was 150, 200 people there. And he was asked by a woman about his position, what's he's going to do as president about domestic violence, about violence against women. And he went on for fucking 13 or more minutes about it. And in it, he talked about growing up and that this is about our, it's in our culture, European culture to men beating their women and then having it be a dirty little secret. And he, he says, we need to change our culture. Our culture, And he goes through this thing about our culture. And that's the part that was taken out. But first, let, I think you're right, Brittany. Let's do this. We'll play the two clips because I'm not playing the full 13 minutes. I'm going to play her asking the question, him talking for a while, then we'll stop. And then I'm going to play the second part where he leads at, at the end. So here we go. Uh,
4: my question is... Um, could you speak to your work with women and sexual assault, domestic violence, yes. and give us an idea of your vision for yes. that in our country?
7: Look, I was raised by a dad. This is a God's truth, not a joke. My dad was a gentleman. And he used to say, for real, the worst sin of all is the abuse of power. And he meant it. The abuse of power, whether it's economic power, political power, or physical power. And then he'd say, not a joke, all my siblings. That the cardinal sin is a man raising his hand to a woman or a child. And so I a lot of people tried to deal with changing the culture and the way we treat women in America. It's about fundamentally changing our culture. Any of you know what the phrase rule of thumb means? Rule of thumb means, you know it. In English common law, meaning not the codified law like we pass in the Parliament or pass in the Congress law, common law means adjustment of the court's decisions from previous decisions as it matures going down the road. In the late 1300s in England, so many wives were being beaten to death by their husbands that the court of common law said, because women were considered to be a chattel, just like the horse or the, or the cows or the animals in the field, for real. And a man was able to, quote, chastise his wife. But so many were being beaten to death that the court ruled in the late 1300s that no man could beat his wife with a rod bigger than the circumference of his thumb. We have a cultural problem, a cultural problem. So when I got to the United States Senate, I started working on the issue of whether or not we can begin to change the way. And there was a dirty little secret. Those of you who are older know, everybody knew somebody whose wife got slapped around. But you didn't say anything. That was private. Nobody said anything. You didn't interfere. Well, my dad taught us, if you see it, you have to say something. So when I got to the Senate, I believed notwithstanding it had been tried before, that if we ripped the Band-Aid off and exposed exactly what was happening in America, that people would respond. And so I started to hold hearings about violence against women in America. And by the way, i got to be careful what I say with the little kids in here, but also violence occurs to men from other men on occasion. About 2 to 4% of it happens that way. And... So when I started it, all the women's groups opposed it. They didn't want me doing anything about it. The civil rights group, you said it was a civil rights issue.
2: I said it was. I'm going to end it there. First of all, I don't know why you can talk about a man beating his wife and abusing and violating his wife in front of kids, but you can't talk about a dude doing it to another dude. That That seems weird to me. But that's neither here nor there. So then he goes on for another roughly 10 minutes, and he says this. We
7: found out when they reported to universities, you'd have people at the university asking, well, what were you wearing? What were you drinking? It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. And here's the deal. There's more than you want to know, but it's my passion. I called in almost 150 presidents of universities. And I'm a, I'm a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. They named the school of public policy in Delaware after me, the Joseph R. Biden School, et cetera. I'm very involved with colleges. The more prestigious the college, the less they wanted to do. Because all they had, they're supposed to have to report how many incidents occur on their campuses. They're supposed to take a survey. All they have to do is take a blind survey at the beginning of school. How many of you students have, in fact, been accosted or having something happen? Blind. They get an idea how bad the problem may or may not be on campus. They don't want to do it. You know why? If you're going to Penn or Harvard or Yale or Brown or whatever, and you have to publish how many times someone's been abused, it's like, whoa! I'm not sending my kid there. I'm serious. Think of the fight back. But we finally got a lot passed through with a secretary of education who was a great guy that I work with and others under Title IX. And then it came along, came Betsy DeVos. No, I'm serious. And ended it. Ended it. Folks, this is about changing the culture. Our culture. Our culture. It's not imported from some... African nation or some Asian nation it's our English jurisprudential culture, our European culture. It says it's all right. I'll end with this remember the the
2: uh, academy award song that uh, then he he talks about something else, but that there are there is nothing. To criticize in there, in my estimation, about him leading anywhere about white supremacy. Yeah. That is him explicitly saying, we need to change our culture. Right. That this isn't some problem that's been brought in from, from some African nation influence, mm-hmm. from some Asian nation. Mm-hmm. This is deeply rooted in the culture of of, of European culture that we have adopted in even about the sayings that we have, about a rule of thumb. But instead, some asshole on Twitter mm-hmm. took this out of context and made it this. The culture, our culture, our culture, is not imported
7: from some African nation or some Asian nation. It's
2: our English jurisprudential culture. <laughs> Our European culture. They're trying to make it seem like it's a fucking Richard Spencer speech.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: When that is, listen, that is nonsense. I'm not a Joe Biden bandwagon guy. I think Mm -hmm. the audience is very clear about that. I'm not supporting his candidacy. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm opposed to his candidacy.
3: Unless. I
2: will vote for him in the general, (laughs) no question. Right. But I don't believe he's right for America in 2020. Mm Mm-hmm. But do I believe he's a white supremacist who is openly talking about we need to protect our culture? This isn't about Africa or Asia. This is about America and white people. That's what that this person wanted you to believe.
3: Right. And it went viral.
2: Yes, it did. It went viral. Thousands and thousands and thousands of retweets. right
3: People didn't think twice before sharing this. And... As you sit here and listen to it now, right, you heard the full context and then you hear this and you can see how ridiculous it is, right? But we should be able to see how ridiculous it is without having heard the full context
2: anyway, right? Well, we should be able to say, well, because we listened to it. You and I had that organic moment and I was right. like, "Ah, oh, that's... I don't know. There's got to be more to the story because Joe Biden is seasoned enough. Even if he does believe that, I don't believe he does. But even if he does believe it, he's not going to be in a fucking town hall where there's cameras everywhere and say that.
3: You also said, right, that was only a few seconds. I wonder what the rest of it was. Yeah. Right. And that should be the natural thought. We need a fuller
2: context. This
3: is a really short clip. It sounds bad, but... Huh? That's not Joe Biden. Also, it's really short. I'm going to have to figure this out a little yeah. bit. I'm going to bookmark this. If I don't have yeah. time right now to look at this later. And
2: we did. <laughs> and I'm
3: I'm definitely not going to retweet it. And I'm definitely not going to favorite it because that will push it into other people's feeds. Right. And I don't want to be spreading misinformation. And this is the whole point of what we're talking about. Yeah. When we have active disinformation campaigns from foreign countries that are trying to influence our elections, we do not need to be of assistance in that regard. We need to take the responsibility that we have seriously. Yeah. A lot of people, and they're just average people, right, have 40 followers, they treat their Twitter feed like like they're a celebrity that is being contacted for their personal opinion on any news event that happens, right?
4: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
3: That's really what happened with Twitter, right? For sure, yeah. Where we feel like we need to give our personal opinion about everything that yeah. happens.
2: Yeah, well, it kind of did d- democratize uh, who who can contribute now. Right. Yeah, Which is, that's a good thing about it, but absolutely. along with it is a lot of fucking bad. Yes, yeah. and
3: here's the thing I would also say, you don't need to do that, Yeah, right? It's yeah. okay. Like, for example, I have felt way out of my comfort zone this entire episode talking about international relations. I don't know shit in that regard. Right.
6: (laughs) Right. So, I
3: mean, I'm trying to read about it. I'm trying to take information in knowing that I know very little. I took like one international relations class at community college when I first started school. You know, like that doesn't mean that I know about this. Right. Right. I watch Fareed Zakaria sometimes GPS on CNN that doesn't make me an expert on this, you yeah. know. But but I try.
2: So, it most certainly does not make yeah. you an expert watching Fareed Zakaria. So
3: I know my limitations, right? And you I might
2: learn how to plagiarize if you.
3: But but this watch is something Zikhar. that I that I'm always working on, doing better with is knowing my limitations, not being afraid to state them, not being afraid to admit them, and letting it guide me. Right, so, I wasn't firing off a bunch of retweets and likes when this whole Soleimani thing went off because yeah. what the fuck do I know? you know right. well, and I mean, you know a
2: lot this is just not your your expertise, right, well, yeah.
3: sure, what the fuck do I know about this, yeah to be more specific, That's okay, right. and I think we could all use a little bit more of that, you yeah, know, and it's okay to not have an opinion right away. It's okay to take some time to to read about it and figure out what our what our beliefs are on whatever issue it might be. And and I hope that what people take away from this show is that it is okay, right? Because they hear us do it. They hear us stumble through things. They hear us be
2: wrong That's about right. shit, you Thinking know? That's in public.
3: Yeah, and if you are going to have a social media presence where you're sharing information... Just please take it seriously because you you can influence other people, and it's important that we do that with factual information.
2: Yeah, not not only can you influence people uh, positively, oftentimes you can impact them negatively, and that's those are the the the, the things that damage. It's like you don't really remember when when something good happens; you really focus on the bad. Yeah, It's, it's that kind of a thing. Absolutely. So there you go.
3: Yeah. I knew it was coming. I
2: should have done it right when you got done talking. I, was
3: it too soapboxy? Because this is something I bitch about all the time. You have to hear me bitch about it all the time. I know.
2: No, I, I don't think it's soapboxy. I, I think that it's it's very important. I, and also, we have kind of geared ourselves to correct mistakes that we make. If someone calls us out and and calls in, hey, that you were wrong about that. I'm I want to say, yeah, fuck yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. I want to set that example. I want to model good behavior as Britney Page would say.
3: Do you remember what happened with the Thanksgiving episode?
2: Uh no.
3: You asked me a question about some number I gave. And you said, is that, is that on Thanksgiving Day? And I said yes when I wasn't sure. Oh, right. And I read the article after the show. Because I'm always, I'm going back through what I said and making sure everything was factual and eh, neuroticism. Yeah, total big five. neuroticism. And, <laughs> big
5: five, everybody. <laughs> big five. Up
3: high on that spectrum. <laughs> and <laughs> um, And I was wrong. And I was so panicked about it, and we had to correct it. And you're like, it's not a big deal, right? That it wasn't Thanksgiving yeah, it was Day. It was the th- days around Thanksgiving it was Day. It very
2: f- inconsequential.
3: Well, whatever. But, but it bothers you. Yes, yeah. because it wasn't factual. Yeah. And even if it's something minor like that, I feel like it's very important with our roles here that, that we are factual. So anyway, uh, I'll shut up now.
2: That's it. That's the whole show. Yeah. So we love you guys. We appreciate you. Listen, we are a listener-produced program. We are, we are funded by our listeners through Patreon. If you are in a financial position to help us keep the lights on, they, it's important to have the lights on. We have actually had electricity issues in our studio <laughs> recently, as I cough like a professional. If you're in a financial position, you don't have to budget it in. It's not a struggle for you. We would invite you to check out dollarmore.com slash Patreon, and that'll redirect you to Patreon. You can check out the different tiers of, of, uh, of rewards, of, of contribution. We would invite you into the Patreon family. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'd also love to hear from you. 657 464. 7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it with at God Goddamn what's happening. We, we would love to help you, have you help us move the conversation forward. This show is over because I no longer have the ability to speak properly or effectively as a professional communicator. So until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dolamore, and this has been I Doubt it.
3: This is fascinating and everyone loves it. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs)